Welcome to The Positive Sip, stories about life, leadership, and Mississippi. I'm your host, Dr. Regina Hyatt. This episode, you'll hear a special Mississippi story and my reflections on leadership. So let's begin. Welcome to a special edition of The Positive Sip. Today's edition is actually The Positive Sip. I'm so excited today to welcome Martha Thomas, who works with the Octobaha County Humane Society. And as a dog lover myself, I'm super excited to have an opportunity to talk about our furry friends as well. So Martha, welcome and thank you so much for appearing on The Positive Sip. And maybe start by talking a little bit about where your Mississippi story begins. Did you grow up here? What has your life in Mississippi been like? Sure. Well, my Mississippi story actually starts with a love story. I met my now husband back when I was in high school and he was an undergraduate at Mississippi State. And over the years, he and I maintained friendship long distance for several years that turned into long distance dating. And eventually in 2007, he proposed to me and I moved to Mississippi in 2008, where he was still in graduate school at the time. When we moved here, we thought we were going to be here for another two or three years as he finished his degree. But then now it's 13 years later (laughs) and we've built a life for ourselves here. That's awesome. And another example of how Mississippi sort of uh, grows on you, right? And uh, those few years turned into to many years. I mentioned at the outset that you work with the Octobaha County Humane Society, and you were, of course, first involved with them as a volunteer, and now you work with them as an employee. So how did you first get connected to working with animals, and, and why is that important to you? Sure. Well, so before I moved to Mississippi, I was working in nonprofit administrations, doing fundraising, volunteer program management, and event planning for nonprofits in Virginia. So when I moved to Mississippi and started working for Mississippi State, I sought an outlet for my extra time and began fostering for the Humane Society. My husband and I had a soft spot for orphaned puppies and had plenty of time on our hands, especially him as a graduate student working weird hours at night. He could bottle feed some puppies that needed it. And so we fell in love with fostering. And as I started to learn more and more about OCHS, I found that my background in nonprofit administration was really beneficial to their operations. So I think about two years later, I became a board member while still working full-time with Mississippi State. So as that board member, I created our social media and kind of served as spokespersons. I would interact with the media. I built our website and rebranded the organization. I helped to secure grant funding and really helped to grow our organization in terms of fundraising and outreach opportunities, all the while working for Mississippi State full-time at the time. But then back in 2016, I had my first child, Carrie, who's now four, and resigned my board position due to time commitments. But then in 2018, I decided I wanted a little more flexibility than in a typical eight to five job. And so I resigned with Mississippi State and OCHS jumped at the opportunity to hire me as their director of development and community relations. So I kind of see my job there as a storyteller. So I'm telling the story of our animals, the animals in our shelter and the animals in our community that are in need. 
and helping to provide opportunities for people to connect and help those animals as well. So as for animals, though, when I was a kid, I always wanted a dog <laughs> or a four-legged pet of any kind. We had fish. We had snails. I wanted a dog. So finally, in junior high school, we got our first dog, Velvet, and she was just the best dog and my best friend. And she was there for me during some really tumultuous times in my life. And this constant companion and consistency during upheavals and things like that. And so I think she created that soft spot for me for animals and, and the rest is history from there. I love that so much. And certainly I think we've all seen in the midst of the COVID pandemic how powerful having pets has been to the well-being of their humans throughout this time period. Absolutely. You talked a little bit about your previous nonprofit work, and of course, the Humane Society is another nonprofit organization. Nonprofits are vitally important to communities and to our state. So what leadership lessons have you learned through your involvement with nonprofits across your career? Well, one of the lessons I've learned with OCHS is the importance of collaboration and making use of the economies of scale. OCHS operates a regional animal transport program where we take animals not only from our shelter, but from up to two dozen partners in the North Mississippi area. These are animals that are unwanted pets in animal shelters that are often overcrowded with limited resources. So because we are collaborating with these shelters and making use of those economies of scale, we actually transported more than 2,400 pets from our shelter and those local partners in the last 12 months. That 2,400 pets that we've transported, in the same period, we adopted out 700. And so just to show you the amount, the number of animals in our animal shelters is overwhelming in terms of the number of adopters that we have locally. So we're fortunate to have fantastic partners locally and up north where there's an abundance of resources and adopters to care for those animals. But it wouldn't happen without that collaboration because we have to make the most use of the dollars and resources that are granted to us and donated to us. And we have to be able to fill a plane or a van to get up north. And so we at OCHS may not have the number of animals required to fill that van or plane, but working together with our partner organizations, we're able to do that and we're able to have success all around. And it's just really fantastic to be able to see that collaboration among these different entities and be able to benefit others uh, with resources that are offered to OCHS. That's a powerful story. And the availability of animals from our community and being able to help them find homes across the nation. What a wonderful story and, and what a benefit both to those hounds and the, the people who get to live with them. And cats, too. And cats, too. We Let's not cats forget too. the cats. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so do you have a favorite quote, Martha, that you reflect upon often? And what is it? And, and why does that resonate for you? Well, one of my favorite quotes is often attributed to John Wesley, but I learned it may not actually be from him. But it's do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you ever can. 
And my first experience with that quote was when I was in undergraduate school and my second home was the community service office. That's where I spent my extra time when I wasn't studying, when I wasn't working. I was in the community service office helping to run tutoring programs, organize a potato drop, really get involved in our community, help our college and the community that I was in. And so I discovered in that office, though, that you can actually make a living working for a nonprofit organization. Previously, I thought that people that work for nonprofit organizations were just volunteers doing great things, but I didn't know you could get paid to work for a nonprofit organization. So that's kind of how I found my calling and created a mission-based career, I would say. And that's working for the various nonprofits I work for in Virginia or volunteering or working for OCHS. But I found that that allows me to help the community while supporting my family. But the quote really resonates with me. Do all the good you can and all the ways you can, everywhere you can. I mean, I don't really think you can go wrong doing good. So if there's ever an instance of questionable, what, do you, what should you do? If you just do good, do the right thing, do a good thing for somebody else, I think you're going to win. Martha, you've already talked a little bit about some of the ways that you think Mississippi are special. You talked about it in your first comments about you and your your family finding um, a community here and a place that you love. I have found Mississippi to be this incredibly special and unique place. So what makes it that for you and, and why do you think Mississippi is such a special place? Well, Mississippi is known as the hospitality state, of course, and I get to see that every day by the course of my position with OCHS through people's generosity, whether that's somebody donating dollars, donating their time through volunteering, fostering an animal, or just giving a kind pat to an animal in need. It's just incredible to me to be able to see the kindness that people show to other entities, whether they have two legs or four legs. I think that is what's special about Mississippi. It's the incredibly generous people that live here. Martha, I want to say thank you so much for the work that you do with the Octibaha County Humane Society. And for those of you who had the opportunity to see our graphic for the positive sip, you saw my baby, Dexter, who is from the neighboring counties Humane Society. But I wouldn't have known about Dexter had it not been for Martha, who knew that I have a great love for Basset Hounds. And after we lost our Basset Hounds this past fall, Martha knew I was ready to welcome a new member to our family. So Martha, thank you for bringing Dexter into my life as well. And thank you again for the work of the Humane Society. Appreciate you being with us today. Thank you for having me. In today's reflection on leadership for the positive SIP, I found an article in Forbes magazine written by Sally Percy entitled, Five Leadership Lessons You Can Learn From Your Dog. And I wanted to share that today because these are great lessons. And as I reflect on my own time with the dogs that I've had in my life, I can certainly see how they have shared these lessons with me. The first one is to not bear grudges. And dogs certainly don't do that. Dogs, when they greet someone, they are generally with their tails wagging and excited to see them. And they don't necessarily remember if that dog or person 
if they met them before, if that person or dog was not kind to them or growled at them or what have you. But this idea is really about, from a leadership perspective, is finding ways to move forward from the past and to not necessarily hold on to things that have been troubling. And I think that is important from a leadership perspective because we all have moments in our lives and in our leadership experiences where things haven't gone how we wanted them to. And maybe, in fact, we were wronged in some way. That doesn't mean that you simply forget and always invest your trust willingly when you've been hurt, but instead that you try to focus on moving forward and you try to focus on not holding a grudge in those instances. Her next leadership lesson is look pleased to see your colleagues. And there are lots of things that talk about the power of a smile, the power of having kindness in your eyes and in your face. And I have some belief that if you are in a situation when you're meeting someone for the first time or even simply walking down the street and crossing someone's path, smile, make eye contact, have your expression be one that is warm and welcoming. Now, I'm not suggesting that you do this in a sort of perfunctory way that masks your true feelings, but instead what I'm trying to suggest that it is a wonderful environment where you can be a person who demonstrates through their facial expressions, through a smile, through their nonverbal cues, that you are happy to be in that experience, in that meeting, in that leadership experience that you are facilitating. And certainly people can see that on your face. And dogs, of course, are always happy to see you. And you know that because they jump up and down and wag their tails and do all the things that make you know that they're happy that you're there. That third leadership lesson that this author presents is to focus on the present. This is a little bit of a dichotomous bit of advice because we often talk about leaders as being visionary and future focused. And that is absolutely a part of leadership. But you cannot be an effective leader if you also aren't focused on what's happening in the here and now. And dogs always are sort of in to the instant gratification, whether that's uh, knowing that there's a treat coming or a walk or maybe a favorite toy, that the present moment is the most important moment. And as leaders, we certainly need to be focused on the present and we need to be focused on the lived experiences of the people that we are working with, that we serve, etc. Now, that doesn't mean that we give up our responsibility to also be visionary and to be future focused. 
But it does mean that we have also an obligation to make sure that we are looking at each day as it comes and that we are excited about the experiences that we get to have right now. The next item or leadership lesson is migrate. And in the context of this, it's really talking about why you take your dog on a walk or why you take your dog to the dog park or why people take their dogs on their beach trips or to the mountains or to ski, etc. There is an instinctiveness about us that requires stimulation. And dogs certainly have this. And so this is from a leadership perspective, the way that we operationalize this comes from a perspective of, hey, change up your environment sometimes. So I, for example, I work in an office, a a standard office. I have a desk and a computer and a chair and a table. And that is my typical workspace. And sometimes that workspace can become stagnant. And so as a leader, one of the things that we can do to help our brain think more creatively is to move out of that environment. So maybe it's going to another location, uh, a coffee shop or a different room in your house if you're working from home right now during the pandemic or even creating your workspace differently. So some folks have gone to standing desks and have treadmills set up in their offices and different things. So finding ways to change up your space and to create sort of this mental stimulation so that your brain can think differently or creatively about things. I once read about one of the things that you can do to help keep your brain active is if you're, for example, right-handed and you always brush your teeth, for example, with your right hand for one day, Instead of brushing your teeth with your right hand, brush your teeth with your left hand. And certainly that's going to feel different to you. And it's another way that we can, again, stimulate our brain's creativity. The last leadership lesson this author offers is to rest. And in my house, we call it snoozling. And Dexter is the king of snoozling. This is a combination of snoozing and snuggling. It's his favorite thing to do. He likes to take a nap and he mostly likes to do that either on top of me laying on my lap or next to my husband on the couch as snugly as he can, as closely as he can to us. And rest is such an important part of being a leader who is effective. We all need rest for our minds, our bodies, our spirits. And especially again, in the context of the challenges that we've all faced during these past 12 months, as we've dealt with a number of issues, I think rest is more important. We need time for our brains to decompress, to 
have space to actually be restful and to relax. And we can do that in a number of ways. It doesn't mean that you necessarily become a, quote, couch potato, but it does mean that you're finding ways to give yourself respite. And some folks do that through exercising or meditation or prayer or painting or arts and crafts or or whatever your thing is. Finding opportunities to rest is an incredibly important tool for a leader. So this concludes the five leadership lessons from this particular author about how our dogs think of leadership. And I just want to offer again this notion that pets can certainly be an important part of people's lives and and have certainly been an important part of my life over my adult years and even as a child. There's so much that we can learn from our animals and not more than anything is the practice of unconditional love. And pets certainly provide us humans with unconditional love. And I'm hopeful as we move forward in our day-to-day lives that we can also practice unconditional love with the people around us. Thank you for joining us on The Positive Sip. We hope you'll be listening again for our next episode. The Positive Sip is produced and edited by Flora Dito, Carson Brantley, and Katie Corbett.